welcome back to another episode of In the Trenches with the Hernandez and Dorger Law Firm, the Equalizing Justice Team. Today's topic is inmates, juries, and COVID-19. I'm joined today with attorneys Christine Hernandez, Megan Allgood, and Sarah Harden. over in this episode, but first we would like to introduce to you our newest team member of the Equalizing Justice family. I would like to introduce to you Sarah Harding. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, um, I am a new attorney. I recently passed the bar and I am from Mobile, Alabama. (laughs) Um, Very excited to be here. So how does it feel passing the bar during COVID-19? Extremely lucky um, because a lot of my classmates are trying to study for the bar and take their final exams right now. Since I graduated a semester early, I just made the cutoff. So they're still talking about pushing the July bar out um, and they're not really sure how they're going to practice after they graduate. And I kind of miss that, miss that mess. So <laughs> I am really grateful. So what type of law do you anticipate yourself practicing within these walls? Um, probably civil. Um, I'm still kind of figuring things out. I've, it's a lot different than law school. Um, so getting practical experience is a lot different. Um, and I'm leaning towards civil, but I think there's a lot of things that I could experience. Agreed. Um, so I know that, uh, some things are changing with COVID-19 things with the courts, things with inmates, things with civil, criminal, everything's changing. We're in a new normal. So I think, Christine, you said that you had an update for everyone. We do. We got hot off the press. We've got the order from the Alabama Supreme Court, which is extending along the lines of what Governor Ivey has already uh, done through May 15th. And it doesn't look like we are going to be having uh, in-person court at least through May 15th. And Although the Alabama Supreme Court has uh, issued an order that all of the judges probate, uh, circuit court, district court, um, have the option of going ahead and getting some of their, uh, their staff members back and, and reacclimated to in-person court hearings. But I think what we're going to end up with is uh, a lot of changes with how many people are in court at any given time. Um, at least for an extended period of time. But the order does say that we won't be having uh, jury trials uh, at least through the summer. So it looks like maybe August might be the earliest time that we're going to have jury trials resume, and that would be civil or criminal. Now the next question is, what about bench trials? And right now it's going to probably be left up to the, the judges to decide how they're going to handle their bench trials. So have any of the judges come out and said, you know, what kind of procedures they may have with reopening courts as far as wearing masks, wearing gloves? No. Things. Yeah, no, they haven't because, like I said, this was this is hot off the press. It hit the it hit my email about five ten minutes ago. Oh wow! So it's it's real fresh. Um, I think some of the judges are having meetings now to try to to decide you know how they're how they're going to go about it. And I'm sure that the presiding judges in each of the counties will let us know how they want to proceed. Okay, so there's not been any any notice from anybody now since you've only just gotten this order nope. about how things will proceed with the courts given that the state is now back open. 
No, I think we're going to continue at least through the 15th the way that we've been doing it, which is a very limited capacity. We have some uh, we have some attorneys that are in, in court. We have sometimes we have hearings where we're all in different locations. Uh, I think everyone's been just uh, learning some of the technology and, um, and how to use it effectively, uh, how to object while you're on a video call, how to... Uh, I can imagine that's been a little little bit of a learning curve for some of our older people in the court system. <laughs> well, the interesting thing is when you're on Zoom and one person's talking, you're not really hearing the other person. So you get an <laughs> objection in, you, gotta, you, know, you got some, you got some mixture of sign language. And, and, <laughs> uh, but, it, you know, it's been a struggle. And then there's a lot of questions on how do you introduce exhibits and call witnesses when they're not in the presence of the court but they are in presence of the court because they're on the video camera. There's a, there's a lot of questions, and you know we don't have all the answers. Uh, we're learning every day, depending on what courtroom we're in, and every judge has a different process. Yeah, and I think it's going to be very interesting that you know when everything gets at least back to a kind of normal, how you know technology is going to shape the court system. I don't know how it's going to shape the court system, but I know at our firm with Equalizing Justice, we're going to keep in place the video, uh, the video meetings. We're going to still have Zoom or FaceTime or uh, any any other number of, of opportunities to meet with Google Meets or something like that, as well as teleconferencing, uh, because we found that one, it's it's not as hard as we thought, and two, it's uh, it's a matter of convenience for the people that are involved. Yeah, and I've, I've heard a lot of people who have said over the phone or in person that they really do enjoy those face-to-face -face meetings simply because it's, you know, convenience. Everybody's on the go, so, I mean, not right now. Everybody's mostly at home, but it's still a matter of convenience being able to speak to your attorney and see their face and right sense we'll of assurance. Still, we'll still have in-person come to the office and meet with us, but... Uh, Certainly, there'll be some more options available for our clients. Okay, so um, let's move into what Megan had suggested we discuss today with, you know, inmates being released from prisons or jails and kind of what all that means. And it, is it a concern for the general public? Um, so this is Megan here. Um, so I have had quite a few cases that have dealt with um, different bond issues and maybe some early release issues and I'm sure um, Christine has as well. So I have seen a lot on uh, social media especially. People are kind of panicked. They see that our jails are releasing people that they maybe would not have released three to six months ago and they feel like oh no these criminals are being you know left out on the loose and it's just another panic. We panicked over toilet paper, we panicked over Lysol, and now people are panicking over this, which to some extent may be valid, but in reality, it's just not anything to panic about. So typically, the people who are being released that maybe would not have been released a few months ago, um, it, it's, it's really not whether or not they would have been released, a lot of these cases are the judges are just reducing the bond. So let's say somebody who has money would have been charged with a crime. They would have been able to bond out. But because this particular person does not have money or have family who has the ability to come and um, 
and pay the money to bond them out, they've been sitting in, in Mobile Metro Jail. So those are the people that, who otherwise would have been out, they did have money, these are the ones who are being getting reduced bonds to be out. And when somebody is on bond, it is because they are charged with a crime, which means they are presumed innocent. So I've seen a lot of uh, panic about, you know, these violent offenders, that there's uh, violent sex offenders just being released, and, and that's just not, that's not what, what is happening. Uh, not only are these people nonviolent offenders, but they are charged, which means we don't even know if they were offenders or not. Um, there are other cases where people are being released for uh, on probation revocation. So typically somebody is convicted of a crime and they are put on probation and they do something wrong and their probation officer files to have their probation revoked, which means they get put in jail. Six months ago, they may have been looking at spending 30 to 60 to 90 days in jail. But right now, there are some people, typically who are nonviolent, who are getting time served because it's just not worth it. It's not worth it to make somebody sit in Metro Jail for 60 days to teach them a lesson if that means that they can potentially contract this virus. There are a lot of people out there who are not taking this virus very serious, and that, that's fine. That's that, that's your opinion, but at the end of the day, there are people getting sick with this virus and they're getting sick in our jail. And we have the duty as a society to take care of them. Just because they've done something bad or they're being charged with doing something bad doesn't mean they're a terrible person they deserve a death sentence. And so that that is what we're looking at. It Do we want to risk them getting infected and it trickling and it infecting all these other people just because they messed up right right so um that that's the reality of it my violent offenders are not being released uh, i've tried and it's not <laughs> <laughs> um and i believe probably it's them calling regularly asking to be put on that special bond list that's getting people out yep yep and uh you know there are a few that you know kind of traveled that thin line and i i tried um but their records are yucky and so they're staying at mobile metro um, and i'm sure that most defense attorneys could probably agree with that statement that they have um, very few, very, very few, if any, violent offenders that are being released. And, and, you know, too, there's, when someone's charged with a crime, they have a right to confront their accusers. They have a right to be present in trial. They have a right to have witnesses brought against them and then turn around and be able to cross-examine those witnesses. And we're just at a position right now in, in with this virus and, and society as a whole that we can't do that with our court systems. And because of that, we're taking some uh, some additional precautions. When someone has their bond re reduced, what they're being told in court um, and as at the time of their release is that they need to self-quarantine for 14 days. So when, they, when they're released from the jail, they're supposed to stay at home um, for 14 days and make sure that they don't have any symptoms. Also, if they're just coming into the jail, they are isolated away from general population because they don't know what's being brought into the jail. We do have some uh, inmates that have tested positive for the virus. However, 
Not everybody in there is positive for COVID-19, nor is everybody in there negative for COVID-19. Um, but the jail is doing everything that they can to control the spread of anything, as well as the courts are doing everything that they can to decrease the population for nonviolent offenders and those that, are, that may be in there for probation revocations. When we're talking technical violations, they, they didn't report for a period of time or they didn't have the money to pay their probationary supervisory fees. Those kinds of things. We don't have debtor's prison, everybody. We, we don't. If you can't afford to pay the bill, you can't keep somebody in jail for long periods of time because they simply don't have the money. And with all the unemployment that's skyrocketed now, we're going to see more and more of that. So the judges are taking a realistic approach to um, really who needs to stay put and who needs to be to have a, a reasonable opportunity to be released. Um, bond is a situation that is designed to allow uh, for assurances that someone will return to court to face the charges that are against them. It is by no means the amount of bond that's set or the um, length of time that someone's in jail that you should attach any type of, uh, of opinion of any type of guilt. Uh, under the Constitution of the United States and the state of Alabama, every person who is charged with a crime has the right to due process and the right to be in court and have their case heard. This is not a matter of finding someone guilty just because they got arrested. Okay. So what about uh, some systems in place, like, for example, house arrest? Are they doing that? or We do have some of the judges that are doing house arrest. There was a period of time where they were trying to do ankle monitoring, um, but we didn't have enough ankle monitors. I think maybe they've gotten some of the ankle monitors returned or they've got some more in supply. Uh, but so for some of them... If there is some concern about flight or things like that, then of course the judges are issuing orders to uh, require ankle monitoring. And sometimes they do send them home and tell them to stay at home and they place them under house arrest. Uh, you know, they're not expecting those individuals to go out and leave their house. That doesn't mean they can't go outside, it just means they can't leave their property. Okay. And, and there's some judges who are also requiring that they call in and uh, report to somebody. So there, there may be some type of um, pretrial reporting or if somebody is already on probation for um, something else or if they're being let out to continue their probation, they must call their probation officer every day or every week or something like that. So there's some type of, for some cases, there are some type of additional reporting to kind of, um, I guess, monitor. keep our, you're right, right, to monitor them to make sure that they're, they are doing what they should be doing and that they are staying at home if they are on house arrest or at the very least that we just don't, that we just know where they are. You know, and I, I'm, I'm, pretty, uh, I'm pretty happy about the fact that we're, we are getting some bond reductions because in the past we've had a clear definition of those who have money get to get out and those who don't have to stay regardless of whether they're charged with the same thing. The economics uh, and the sociodynamics socio-demographics of individuals within our own city tend to treat people differently within the court system and so with the judges taking a more realistic approach and the um, DA's uh, some of those uh, prosecutors uh, agreeing to reduce bonds and, and some of them not bonds being reduced over their objection the, the reality is that we're starting to um, consider the 
not only the, the virus itself, but also looking at what someone can and cannot afford. And bond was never instituted uh, to be used against the poor. Okay. And I'm hoping, I mean, I think that for everybody in all aspects of life, not just um, in our legal practice, I think COVID has kind of given us an opportunity to take a step back and and look at things that were the norm that perhaps should not be. And I am hopeful that maybe the system will take a look at this and see that we have a lot of people in jail who should have just never been there to begin with. Perhaps they should have been arrested, perhaps they should have been charged, but then to sit there for a year to two years to wait on their trial just because their family couldn't come up with $300, it's just really sad and I'm hopeful that Perhaps this could it's make an eye-opening a, experience. Right. I mean, I'm hoping that two years from now we can think about, you know, when COVID was happening, would I have let this young man sit in jail? Probably not. So why the heck am I doing it now? Um, so I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just too hopeful. But reset, reevaluate, move forward. I think there's a lot of things that you know could be modified to help with you know things moving a little bit more smoothly, a bit, a bit more speedily, you know, and hopefully they do kind of evaluate everything that we've been doing in the past and, you know, look to the future to make some changes that are good for not only the citizens, but also for the economy. That's what we're hoping for. At least that's what the Equalizing Justice team is hoping for. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of In the Trenches with the Hernandez and Doiger Law Firm, the Equalizing Justice Team. Stay tuned because we'll be posting bi-weekly. No representation is made that legal services performed are greater than the quality of legal services of others.